0: Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime currently featuring Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Star Wars Rebels, Moonbeam City, Ruby, and Adventure Time. I am Dylan Heisen, and today I'll be taking you solo through the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels Wings of the Master. Uh, the, I don't know, fifth episode, uh of the, um, second season of Star Wars Rebels, if you do not include Siege of Lothal. Uh, and, um, I cover Star Wars Rebels every single week here on the Overly Animated podcast. You can learn more about us at OverlyAnimated.com, and we cover all the other shows uh, I mentioned in the beginning. Um, let me get right into this latest episode of Star Wars Rebels Wings of the Master. Um... Finally, uh we have our Hera episode that I have been craving. That is the top story for me from this episode. Our least developed main character, Hera is finally somewhat of a person. <laughs> you know, before all we knew is that she's the, you know, she's the pilot, she's the captain of the ship and um And, uh, we knew she had a thing going with Kanan and now we know so much, not so much more about her. To be fair, all we really learn is that she can fly and she likes flying and she likes doing things for people, but that's okay. That's for this show. That's a lot. And, uh, I I just, I just love the sequences with her, especially this one sequence in this episode of her flying the, um, the blade wing for the first time. It is a brilliant, brilliant sequence. Uh, one of my favorites on the show. Uh, overall, this episode I think is the most successful of the season so far. It's not incredible. Uh, let's not let me let me not get ahead of myself. It's not the best ever. Um, there's it exemplifies one big flaw of the show for me, uh, which I'll talk about. Um, but you know, overall, I, I I do really like this one. I think it features all the characters pretty well. Uh, it focuses in on the least developed character of the show and I think it uh, features the new Rebellion dynamics, potentially the best of the season has done so far. Um, for me, it made the most sense here. We had, you know... Everyone, I guess we didn't have Ashoka, but we had Rex doing things. We had Sato there, and it all kind of clicked. And clicked for me, the role, the minor roles that these guys would be playing more so than before. I'd kind of been hoping for a while now that we would continue to focus on our crew of the Ghost rather than bring in Ashoka, Rex, and uh, Commander Sato, among others. Like we have a new character introduced here, um, and. Uh, i i like that the, this how this episode handles these new secondary characters more so than any other episode this season because they really are relegated to uh, roles that advance the plot you know roles of minorly interacting with our main crew but we keep our main crew our main crew which is important to me because the show if the show is not about the crew of the ghost then what is it about um i mean it's ostensibly it's about the initial formation of the rebellion right but it's not something that's not something that is uh, sustain, is sustainable because uh, they're really limited to just this, the very beginnings of this rebellion. I mean, when we enter um, Dave Filoni, co-executive producer, talked about this in an interview recently with EW. And, uh, you know, when we we enter the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, they have just won their first major battle. So, like, they're not going to get enough plot traction just focusing on this rebellion what we need is a character-driven um show which is a show always has been it's just been a character-driven show about the crew of the ghost it's i I don't think this really is just a personal preference i think it's a necessity because of the limitations that they're under and uh i don't know if i need to argue that every single week but uh and that's what we get uh here exemplified is a um great character-driven episode um let's talk Hera. that's i you know i have i have some some complaints Unsurprisingly, they they revolve around Agent Gallus, but uh, I want to get the positives with Hera first. Um, like I said earlier, this sequence with Hera flying the um, Blade Wing for the first time—oh my goodness, what a what a great um, cinematic uh, character moment! And then her—it's not just this. Okay, I, I don't just mean her flying it first time. I mean that plus her explaining it to this new character, Quarry, query, Quarry. I don't know. Um, that's her speech there is um the best moment her character has had on the show for sure. Uh it's 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 really great. And um she says they mentioned I didn't quite catch the planet that they mentioned in the beginning, but I'm sure that was a known entity already. She was a girl when the clone War, we get her backstory that she was a girl when the Clone War came. She dreamt of flying um when she saw Republic ships above. Um, she left her family. So that she could fly, and she chose to use her ability to help others most in need—kind of a recurring thing in this in the show—and something I'll criticize later. <laughs> um, and she felt a need to be up there, um, and she says, kind of, I guess, the most poetic line of the that uh, of describing this concept: even when I'm up there and things are at their worst, I'm at my best. Uh, she says she thrives in the chaos of of this of the skies and space, and I think it comes across, across kind of beautifully here. Um, for the first time, I really believe that Hera is a person. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's uh, she's this is a nuanced portrayal, even if it's kind of. Uh, even if it's only expanding in cursory depth a stereotype of the character that she is, she is the pilot. She loves flying. She, you know, she <laughs> I feel one with the with the skies. Even if that's all it is, which really it is all it is. Let's not get out of ourselves. This isn't some crazy nuanced portrayal. Even if that's all it is, I still love it. Because I'm I this is a character who I want to love and I'm going to latch on to whatever I I can get from it. I think she is a um you know her. You know everything about her. I think so far has been kind of a really sympathetic portrayal. So you can that what that leads to is to your audience kind of mostly accepting what uh, what you're going to throw at them later involving that character. I think sympathetic uh, character portrayals can go a long way. Um, so yeah, I mean that's really the main thing with this episode for me. I'm not sure how much depth I can talk about. Jen, I love. Um, Hera's dynamic with, uh, Quarry at the end, I love how she kind of, um, I mean, it's the typical thing, it's like, I'm waiting for someone to, to fly, I've waited a long time for the right pilot, I can wait longer, you know, okay, the show has, uh, no one claimed that this show had incredible dialogue, but, uh, it's not, it's not bad dialogue, that's not what I'm saying, I'm just saying it has kind of stereotypical dialogue a lot, um, and uh, you know, she, you know, so we have that whole thing with, I'm waiting for you to be, imp- you're the one that's going to impress me? I don't think so. We could have, you know, they could have gone a few directions with this. They could have gone, uh, I, I ain't waiting for no female to fly my, to fly my new ship, you know, right? They could have, they could have gone that direction. Like, totally a Katara in the season one finale of Avatar: Last Airbender. They they co- totally could have done that. Um, but, uh, I don't know how that works in Star Wars. I don't know. There's, like, so many races and stuff. I'm not sure what gender dynamics are among them, so maybe that's a little sketch there, but... um You know, but they, they, so why is he skeptical of her in the first place? Just because he's skeptical of everyone, right? I guess that's what, that's what's coming off. It's not a super satisfying thing. Like, he's just going to be skeptical of anyone that comes along. Why is she special? So she kind of has to prove that she's special to him, which she does by talking about why she loves lying, even though he's not a pilot. So why would he be able to relate to that? I guess her passion got through to him regardless. That's kind of what we're going for. But, um, you know, no, not really. No buts. It was, I, th- I think it was successful. It was, it was. Uh, it didn't go too deep, and I think that what they what they did with it was good. At the end, she is promoted to le- the captain of the entire Phoenix unit, which is a thing, apparently. I mean, we know Phoenix unit's a thing or whatever. I don't know if the unit. Uh, or he she uh commander Sato says our fighter pilots will benefit greatly with your expertise, and it was from the suggestion of. so that's good um you know it's uh phoenix squadron excuse me (laughs) excuse me for uh this this very nuanced difference and this isn't a super satisfying distinction for us as the audience because phoenix squadron doesn't really mean anything to us i mean i know it means something it's the thing we've been seeing the whole time but you know what is her in terms of the dynamics that we'll see within the show, I don't think this is going to make a difference because the only characters we care about, Hera already was the captain of. She's going to be now the captain of other randoms and randos in the background who we don't care about. So that's the difference. So it's not a super satisfying um, thing that we're going to see play out in the rest of this season. But in terms of this episode, it was a nice little thing at the end. You know, um, I, I think it worked. Um Something else, the other thing I really loved about this episode is so we had Hera's portrayal. I loved the climactic fight, I think. The uh, ultimate, um, uh, you know, trying to get through the the blockade. And it's uh, Hera coming in. I cared about, you know, Hera showing up with the ship on top of the other ship. That worked. Um I, um, you know, release the, you know, they couldn't have hyperdrived on its own. So they piggybacked it onto the other one with the hyperdrive. I mean, that's pretty cool. And then they release it and it fires that awesome blazer thing. Um, that, that I think that works. Um, it, uh, I think it's really a, uh, kind of a satisfying thing to the end of this episode. And I think to the credit of, um, you know, to the credit of the previous things that happened in the episode, it, uh, it, it like it, it built up in a way in which you would, in which you would care about it. Um, also, something I haven't mentioned, I've said talked about before, so I'm not super ca- um, caught on to the mythology. I The Blade Wing, you know, being something I assume that is built up to be featured in the. Uh, into the uh, original trilogy right yeah I'm looking at uh, some details now that's the, the typing you heard and so that's pretty cool that we saw the origins of it and we're going to see the continued manufacturing of this um rebel ship which is going to be i guess uh, an iconic ship for the R- R- rebel alliance which we eventually see so that's i think that adds a lot of new meaning to it and i did kind of understand that as i was watching even if i didn't immediately like i think even if you're a uh I think that episode does a good enough job of even if you're not sure right away that this is a thing like this show has done things like this before. It's like it can lead on to this is a thing that's going to be that it leads up to something that we've already seen, even if you don't necessarily remember that immediately, because um, they do the thing with, oh, we'll continue to produce it at the end with uh, this guy and he'll lead the production. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how much sense that made, but uh, in general, I think the show does a good does do a good job with incorporating just the many mythology elements it has thrown at it. Um, potentially the one exception being the um, the Clone Wars mythology elements, but I did like how the Clone Wars elements were handled this episode at the very least. So yeah, I did. I really liked the kind of the climactic thing at the end, and I think it really worked. Um, fight scenes on the show, especially ones in space in the past, have been a little chaotic, a little nonsensical, and a little boring. Um, I didn't really think that was the case here. So props to it. Uh, you know, in the future, I'd recommend less space fights. Uh, I, I think that they don't come across incredibly well on the show for whatever reason. Like, I feel like the most successful fight sequences to me have always been the ones with, uh, you know, lightsaber battles with Inquisitors and stuff like that. Like, to me, those are those kind of showcase the, you know, the medium of uh, how they portray Star Wars Star Wars Rebels within this animation medium and also within just this animation style, which is a little weird, the animation style that they have. Um, okay, so what didn't I like about this episode? Because I didn't think it was the greatest. Like, I wouldn't rank this in the, tip, the top tier of episodes for the show, which I don't think Season 2 has achieved yet, which is a little worrying. Um, I haven't seen an episode yet in Season 2, which I've been, like, blown away with, and I kind of want that. So, this episode... Uh, is the it exemplifies a huge i don't think it exemplifies the right word a huge kind of problem the show has in portraying um in in portraying good and evil uh there's never shades of gray on the show and it's a little tiring you know the evil empire once again it's it's uh it's definitely tiring you know this i i the rebels are good the empire is bad why are people good and bad? And it's, it'd be fine if there's clear good and bad if people had if the bad guys had interesting motivations, but they kind of just don't. Like, here's the biggest example. Agent Callous, here is an actual line from Agent Callous this episode, which I will, I will read to you, and it's something that was actually said on the show. He says, They'll return. They can't help resisting people in need, which is the last mistake they'll make. Um... Like it's not good when you have kind of laughable dialogue in I don't know if you'll if everyone agrees on this is laughable dialogue, but really, <laughs> this they can't help resisting people in need, which is the last mistake they'll make. Um, is 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 the world so black and white that you have one group that is just focused on helping people, and the other group knows it and just doesn't care? Um, I mean, sometimes yes, sometimes honestly, that is how things work, but it's not interesting and, uh, agent callous is not interesting. And I've complained about agent callous, like every single podcast that he's been on, uh, for a podcast covering an episode that he's been on. And, um, he kind of takes on this kind of funny dynamic. Like he's not threatening. He's clearly not a threatening character. And so whenever he says something that's kind of, um, supposed to be really evil, it's just kind of funny, which is, which I think is a little intentional with him. Like, I think the show knows what it's doing with him, but it it either miscalculates or it just doesn't care when it just keeps him at the forefront of the villain force. Cause like he's, Hey, it kind of has to be intimidating here. Right. Um, and he's not. He's not intimidating. He's never intimidating. He's just funny. <laughs> so I don't. Uh, I, I don't like this choice to feature him here, um, especially with this question. But like, I mean, and so the other uh, the other uh, aspect of this um, no shades of gray argument is part of uh, Hera's um, backstory, which we finally see is that you know she's like I just I just need to help people, and like that was my true calling. It's like the skies and helping people, and this is such a kind of um bland character motivation it's also so there's two aspects it's not nuanced like why do you like helping people i understand that's you're good you're a force of good and so you want to do good things but why um, it's there it goes into no details, and the other problem is that this is this has been claimed by Ezra this this character motivation was clearly claimed. you know Ezra Ezra already has this dumb, simple motivation and he is a child, so that it works for him. Um, but you are a nuanced adult who is an interesting character, and I think you want something more interesting than I just like helping people. Um, this was exemplified in Path of the Jedi, which is actually my favorite episode of the show. Um, there Ezra kind of realizes that his, uh, his drive, his, um, ultimate character motivation should be to help others. And it's on the surface that's I like I just said a really bland motivation however with Ezra it's built up in a really successful way because we see Ezra not caring about others and then we see the kind of like how the crew of the ghost influences him and him realizing that he does want to care about others so like that really works with that character not just because he does he needs a simpler motivation because he's like a teenager a child like that was kind of a joke but it's it's, uh, we saw a great build up there with Hera she hasn't been featured at all so giving her that motivation too is not as successful slash successful at all um so between making that Harris motivation and having agent callous just say that super silly line um it it has never been more clear that the show is in need of nuanced morals for its characters um i i think this is this is very clear because you're already working from a place when you start the show of uh here are the good guys, here are the bad guys. Like we already know who's good and who's bad, and the whole entire point of the show, in terms of within the larger Star Wars mythology, is building up the origin of the good guys. So, you know, it's it's just it's uninteresting to say, oh, the good guys are good. Uh, it was it was more interesting with Ezra because we saw him not good, but we always saw these guys being good. So, I really just think we need more nuanced portrayals of of uh, morality with with everyone involved in the show it would make for a lot more interesting dynamics um and that's that's a big complaint i think uh i think it's kind of a big problem i would so like as as much as i loved the hera portrayal it still was kind of it was only good as good as um the show can be good and so it can't just it can't supersede the problems of the show which is this um no nuanced morality uh So, you know, like I said, I'm pretty positive overall because, uh, we finally got this Hera episode and I thought this episode really had its moments, but, um, and I guess I want to say now that I think the thing that stood out more to me than the initial Hera flight, even though I said that in the beginning was Hera stating her, Hera's speech and then the climactic fight scene. I think those are the ones I liked more. Um, but the, in her initial flight was also okay. Um, other aspects of this episode i thought quarry was an okay character i thought that was fine um the concept of this kind of tricky landing planet i think is is pretty good um no idea if that's a it was a thing or not before this um shant shantipo uh that is the planet i am referring to um what else we got here we had stuff with kanan which i they kan- kanan's actions were kind of ambiguous this but they were only like small scenes so it's fine um but yeah it didn't really make sense what he was doing i think um what else we got we had uh I, the one thing I did like with Callus was that it's like, oh, it's this crew of the ghost again. Commander, focus all fire on the ghost. Like I like that at this point, Callus has enough encounters with them that he's like, of course, it's that ship. You know, like I like that dynamic of the familiarity with the heroes and him just being a recurring villainous force. So that aspect of his character is good. It's just. If he if he like had one of the Inquisitors there with him, I think that that might have been better choice. But I don't know. I assume we will see the Inquisitors again very soon. Um, I think I've covered kind of everything here. Uh, it's not it wasn't the most complex episode. There are kind of three fronts though, so there was a little bit to keep track of. Uh, an argument might be that we didn't really need the the um, cane in front. We could have just. Uh, spent more time with her like you need to folk check in on callous twice but maybe we're jumping too much between between uh scenes on the show and yeah so i i think that covers that covers things here so um overall i think that this is the uh best episode of of rebels this season, I don't know if people would agree with that, but I liked it the best. Um, next week, it looks like we're getting a Sabine focused episode. Of course, the preview is to be le- to be believed from last week, which makes me very excited because that's the other character of the show that I don't think is a character, and I very much want to really like Sabine. We had a few Sabine things here. It's like, oh, the uh, the weapons, and she like you yes, whatever race that she's supposed to be to f- not focus on weapons, yeah. Um, and they have that going um so that's kind of a continued thing with her 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 portrayal is always like okay she's a mechanic she likes weapons you know it's so i would like more nuance with with her character as well which hopefully we're getting so yeah uh very i'm happy with this episode i'm starting to be a little weary that we're not gonna hit highs this season without because this season has a clear distinction greg weissman has left the show so maybe without weissman we're not getting as nuanced um scripts and writing in general and I am worrying about that. And, you know, it's been five episodes now. Where's my where's my standout episode? So we'll see. You know, maybe it's come, maybe it'll come later. Um, there are twenty two or something this season. There's a so there's a lot of chances. You know, and I'm not I'm not at a point where I just like stop watching the show. Like I'm satisfied enough with the show. So yeah. Uh let me let me know what you if you agree with my opinion assessments of this episode and the show in general i'm dylan heisen and you can you could write to me at dylanova.tumblr.com or maybe you want to email the podcast at podcast at overlyanimated.com and the website uh where you can find all of these forms of contact is overlyanimated.com including new blogs that um me and hopefully other co-hosts are writing um, nothing on rebels yet, but I potentially might write a post on this show. We'll see. Um, you can support you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash overly animated. Uh, thanks to our current patrons, Shayna, Mitch Cordell, Beatrice, Nate, Andy, and Jamie, aka Haina, Fever, Mitch Cordell University, Beatrice Exchange was like your end mail man. So, uh, I'll be back next week presumably solo casting and it looks like we're in for the long haul on solo casting this this uh the show um blood sisters so sabine's sister ooh, that would be interesting so yeah um in next podcast is moonbeam city uh either tonight or tomorrow and then we have ruby on sunday and we repeat the cycle again with gravity falls coming back at some point so yeah Uh, Oh, and of course, we are now covering Adventure Time and new episodes of Adventure Time all of next weeks. That's big. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I will see you next time next week for more Star Wars Rebels. Bye!